Howdy and welcome to Love Letters, a story mode gaming podcast in which I, your host, Jesse Munro, sit down with a special guest to discuss the games most important to them. Today, or tonight, I am joined by the superior Evans, a mythical Englishman, a card-carrying Nintendo Super fan. You may know him as Fist McDeadliff. I know him as a cat dad and a mad lad that gives the man that gives Perth its worth. My story mode co-host and good friend, Mr. Simon Evans. How are you doing today, buddy? Oh, that was that was ooh, I am I am flattered. I'm very yeah, flattered. That's pretty good, eh? That was phenomenal. See, but <laughs> I make my intro as good because I don't speak much for the rest of the show. Yeah, fair enough. I I, I got I gotta front load it. Yeah, yeah. Well Now <clears throat> how do you feel to be the first person back on Love Letters since our break? I moved house. I'm sorry, everyone. He's not sorry at all. Uh, I I feel pretty good and I'm I'm very excited to do this one for many 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 reasons because this has been bubbling up inside of me for years and it is literally years this is one of the first (laughs) just just to to, to cut to the chase Simon and I have met what two two and a half years ago I would say yeah yeah we knew off each other um, through uh, Simon's brother, Gaz, from, from Fan, Fan Critical, who I used to work with. Um, we've known each other for a little bit. We got to meet for the first time um, at a wedding. Had a few drinks together. Uh, actually, before the, before the wedding, actually. Yes, yeah. But we still had a few, we still had a few drinks together. Oh, yeah, and one of the plenty. third things you mentioned to me was your love for Final Fantasy fourteen, And it was this blinding, radiating heat that came off you. <laughs> That sort of inspired the idea for Love Letters because it really showed how there are games you like, there are games you love, and then there are games that change and define you. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of them, I think, for you. I think this is this in Monsanto, but let's let's face it, we'll have you we'll have you back on in uh, in, uh, in a oh, future yeah. episode. So, I want to know a bit more about Final Fantasy fourteen, Simon. What is it? Okay, so Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO RPG under the title of, you know, under under the brand name of Final Fantasy. Now, a key point is the fact that it is fourteen. This isn't a spin-off title with a different fun little subname or anything like that. It is a mainline Final Fantasy game, and it is treated as such, and it treats you as such as well. Hmm. Well, I mean, you make a good point. Like there are a thousand different Final Fantasy titles. My my partner's a massive Final Fantasy fan, and I remember she asked for her birthday a few years ago, um, few years ago for a copy of the Heaven Sword, Heaven's Ward, Heaven's Ward. however you pronounce it, Heaven's Ward um, DLC pack. And I remember going there, and I felt like a parent trying to find a game for their kid. <laughs> it's like, oh, which which Skylander, which Skylander does this little Timothy want? I was going through all these different things. I'm like, which ones are mainline? Which ones aren't? Which are spinoffs? Which ones are online? What makes this one different to the other Final Fantasy games? So, um, the main thing is that it is an MMO RPG, or rather, I think a better descriptor it's a, that it's an RPG MMO. It is first and foremost an RPG game. It is your classic Final Fantasy storytelling with the same sort of. Final Fantasy callbacks that you'll expect in every Final Fantasy game. You've got Biggs, you've got Wedge, you've got Sid, you've got uh, monsters like Ifrit and Titan and Garuda. You know, all of those classic things exist in this world. But it has that online MMO component where you are running around in the same world as 
hundreds or thousands or millions of other people. And you interact and you can socialize and trade and create guilds to hang out and all sorts of social stuff as well. And that's probably the biggest thing for Final Fantasy XIV is how it merges those two so damn well. That's part of the reason why I love it so much. It didn't start off that well. Um, we did an episode of, of Story Mode Video Game Podcast. You can find that on Spotify and iTunes. God, I'm getting good at that. <laughs> um, when we talked about games that kind of came back from the brink. So we saw, talked about games like, you know, like No Man's Sky came out, shit, got good. Final Fantasy XIV was your your game for this. Mm-hmm. And it went through a very violent and dramatic reimagining. Very. A, a rebirth, if you will. Can you tell us roughly the timeline of this game? How did it get from, eh, it's a bit messy, to holy shit, this is lasted, this is lasting the test of time. This is just getting better and better. So it started off with um, Final Fantasy XIV. What's referred to as 1.0. Uh, that's how the devs and the community as a whole sort of refer to it. That is the dead version of the game that is long gone. You cannot play that version of the game anymore. It is gone. It came out, and during um, some of the early uh, like testing, some of the beta tests and stuff, people were complaining about slowdowns and poor optimization and just a huge amount of general like server latency and stuff like that. And it wasn't exactly a good experience. The game was missing a lot. You couldn't jump. There wasn't an auto attack, which as an, for an MMO game is wild. And to access like your gear, for example, you had to open up six different menus and submenus to then get to your gear, like your equipment screen. It was a huge problem. It was so, yeah. so badly optimized. It's almost unbelievable. And obviously the user reception reflected that. The review scores reflected that. And this game was panned like almost like nothing else I've ever seen. To the point what, where... What year did it drop? Um, I want to say 2012 off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it, it was not doing good. Uh, it almost made Square Enix go bankrupt. The <laughs> like, fair effort. Yeah, they have fair all the money. Effort, you know, for... For a company that size. To break a franchise like Final Fantasy, which is just one of the definitive gaming franchises, uh, it must have been pretty shit. I guess that's what happens when you don't have an auto attack and a jump button. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, And so after a a bit of an intervention from some of the upper management at Square Enix, they got rid of the producer and uh, they demoted the director um, and brought in one new guy who had never worked on a Final Fantasy title before. A guy called Naoki Yoshida, or Yoshi P. And he Yoshi P. reinvented everything. He went in with this hard line, like, look, this is going to be pain. This is not going to be fun, but we are going to try and fix this game. And he made the developers work incredibly hard. Everything was scheduled in, everything. Toilet breaks, meetings, even lunch breaks were all scheduled in to try and make the most out of this. And tried to turn it around as quickly as he could. And partway through, he realized, we can either sit here and turn this pretty shit game into something that's mostly okay and just have to deal with that, and that's where we leave it, or we can take a risk and we can make something better. And that's how he approached the board. He approached the board of directors and went, either we sit here and have just a kind of average game, 
or you let me do what I want, I'm going to blow this son of a bitch up. And they so dramatic. I know, right? <laughs> I love it. And they were they thought about it and they were like, um, fuck it, blow it up. And so he did. So they started implementing stuff into the story, which in game was reflected as well. This wasn't just, uh, you know, something happening in the background. This was becoming the main story for Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. This became uh, what's referred to in game now as the Meteor Project, which then ends in the Calamity. So over the course of several months, the, uh, there's a moon, the second moon referred to as Dalamud, and it starts to glow red and ominous in the sky. And if you've played Majora's Mask, you're probably quite familiar with, you know, the moon it's not good. being pretty scary and about to crash yeah. into your face. <laughs> and not, not a good sign. No, no, it's not. Um, and so that's pretty much what happened in, like, towards the end of 1.0. The moon keeps getting closer and closer until the very last few hours of the game, where there's this haunting, eerie music playing literally everywhere. The moon is, like, above your head almost. And when they shut down the servers, they play the opening cutscene for Final Fantasy A Realm Reborn, which is 2.0. And it was insane. Like, because people were like, oh, wow, Fortnite, they've destroyed the whole world and they've redone it. Final Fantasy XIV did it first. Like, genuinely did it. And it's not like um, and, sorry when you when you compare them like as much as I like the whole idea of destroying your world and then you know rebuilding it like Fortnite does, it was sort of a reverse of the analogy. Final Fantasy ran so Fortnite could crawl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <absolutely. laughs> it's fine. But the way Final Fantasy did it, and, like you showed this to me this year. I like I said, I'm not a big Final Fantasy fan. I saw that and was awestruck. Yeah, the scope of it is so cool. It is so bold what they did and it paid off yeah absolutely because then when the uh beta testing um came out like the beta access for a realm reborn came out it received almost unanimous praise everyone that had been playing 1.0 was like holy shit this is so much better this is this is so much more responsive there's an auto attack there's a jump button you can do this and they changed a lot of the scope of the game they also went from using a pretty poorly optimized engine which was part of the problem to using one that was a lot more streamlined because keep in mind that this was a game that was promised to come out on playstation 3 and they had to meet that deadline they had an agreement with sony they had to release this game on playstation 3 and 1.0 could not do that if you tried to your playstation 3 would probably just spontaneously combust that's how bad they it would was. do that sometimes anyway i mean yes fair. that's true um but through excellent management and through you know a fantastic effort from the from the whole dev team they managed to get this new version running on a ps3 and this was only a few months before the ps4 came out um as well but they still managed to do it they they released it and people loved the playstation 3 version as well and just everything about this game was really receptive and positive and everyone sounded really on board and like they were having a really good time with it and um, Len, as you mentioned, you mentioned him by name earlier, uh, picked it up on, I think it was PS4. He was like, oh, yeah, this like MMO Final Fantasy game. And I watched him play it for a little bit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And I've been on and off with MMOs for years. Like, I've never really stuck with anything. I've tried WoW about 18 times. I've tried 
um, a couple of a couple of the other sort of more shitty ones. Um, and you know, probably the only one that really stuck with me was RuneScape, but that's because I was like ten years old, so hadn't really played an MMO. And then one evening, I'm sat there and I'm like, you know what? I really want a fun RPG experience that I can play with and like just have sort of a bit, a bit more of a social aspect to it. I was like, oh yeah, that Final Fantasy MMO that Len was playing. Yeah, sure. So I downloaded it. I actually got it on sale on Steam um, and downloaded it and fell in love almost immediately. Like, what was your first sort of impression of the game? Because, like you said, you weren't used to an MMO, but you loved... Well, not so much not used to it, but none of them have really clicked with you. Yeah. But you were so in love with the Final Fantasy franchise. Were you at all nervous? Like, if if a franchise I love, like, if they made a Jack and Daxa MMO, I'd be nervous. <laughs> uh, I don't think I was, because I'd sort of fallen off the Final Fantasy bandwagon as well. Because around that time, Final Fantasy thirteen came out, and let's be honest, Final Fantasy thirteen was pretty bad for a lot of people um i never played them because all i saw was how negatively people had thought about them so i was like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bother final fantasy 12 i'd sort of missed out on and i'd only really played a little bit of i think anything before 10 really um so 4 was my biggest one 4 was always my my personal favorite final fantasy game and when i saw that you could be a paladin in 14 immediately my mind goes oh hell yeah paladins are so cool because of cecil from final fantasy 4 so my, i'm like yeah cool let's do that i'll just go into that why not and uh yeah i because i had no real expectations and this was one of the first computer games that i was really dedicating myself to and it helped me get familiar with mouse and keyboard and it also taught me so many bad habits so so many uh. bad habits I finally, after look, years of you bugging me to play it, I finally started playing it today, Four things. Like an idiot on the PS5. If I'm going to restart, I'm going to be playing it on PC because it's, it's tricky on console. It's it tricky. takes a little bit of time to get used to on console, but it is perfectly playable. There are people that Took do... Me 10 minutes to uh, close my map. <laughs> could be more of a me thing, to be fair. Yeah, but um, there are one, once you get the hang of it, once you are more familiar with the way some of the systems work with the keyboard interface, sorry, with the with the controller interface, you can absolutely play the game from start to finish on a controller. I've known people that have done like the most difficult content in the game using a controller, and they have no issues. Like, and of course. This is a cross-platform game between PS4, PS5, and PC. They are playing alongside PC players with the mouse and keyboard and way more buttons. It still works. They, they do just as good. It's awesome. Being my first time playing it, it's... I, I thought I wasn't going to like it as much as I did, to be fair. Now, I already pre-show I was already bitching about how much text is on the screen, and that's, that's more <laughs> of a me thing. I know some people are fine with that. I have bad eyesight anyway. So when there's a yeah, lot of things going on, true. I'm like, uh, what do I look at? Uh, but for a game, or sorry, a franchise that is just known for it, it's how grand everything is. The Final Fantasy XIV sets that up from the first second. That game feels like a proper. It feels like a proper fantasy. I you legitimately feel like you're part of this world. And one of the things I like the most, and I guess it hit me. A little bit harder because you already told me about this, you know, the whole Realm Reborn situation. Um, but I mean, if you 
sort of lived through that, you would love it even more. But even if you didn't know about it, this is such an intriguing plot line. Like you said, they they marry it into the narrative. And I haven't really seen yeah. other games do that, where they have these big um, kind of just changes. Like, again, I kind of compare it to like no, a No Man's Sky, which is a bit of a weird one because it doesn't really have a narrative per se. No, no. But at no point does a little frog alien say, hey, remember how shit things used to be? <laughs> and how they're good? Remember that? But in this game, they, they, they talk about the calamity and there's this whole mystery of like, why can't we remember it quite well when we knew... These heroes were there. And then if, if you're married into that world, you know these characters, you know yeah. the story. And it just creates this, this depth to it. Yeah. Which, it, it, it's almost like how you feel when you watch Game of Thrones and you've read the books. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. when a name is mentioned or a place is mentioned, yeah. there is leagues more. Yeah. And then uh, you've already got you know, that so much of, more depth to it. You've already sort of got that like visual memory of it happening. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. And it just locks you in, even as a new yeah. player. And I, I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, again, it's it's the whole marrying the narrative to the events that happened. Um, because I, I think often from uh, anyone else who plays MMOs and whoever played WoW around the time of Cataclysm, that's probably going to be their biggest comparison. They're going to be like, oh, well, you know, Blizzard tried to destroy the world and Cataclysm and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but there wasn't any real world thing going on to tie into that. It wasn't they shut down the game. It wasn't they, you know, changed to a new server type or anything like that. They, it was just a story event, and that's all it was. And Final Fantasy games, I think, lend themselves really well to that sort of tale of rebirth and growing again, that sort of remembrance and trying to recover from things because even going back to the first final fantasy game like final fantasy one you have four crystals have disappeared and become corrupted and everything's turning to shit like the land is not fertile the the sea has gone totally still and you know stuff like that that's part of it and then it's up to the you know the warriors of light in Final Fantasy 1, to go and fix all that. And that's how it starts, or at least it starts in a very similar way, to 14, which is, hey, we had this huge disaster happen five years ago, and we are still in the middle of recovering. Which, side note, I also want to point out, is a really good time frame. Because five years, if, so if something half destroyed the Earth, we wouldn't be over it in two years. It would take us decades to recover. And Don't, so can you I, not can you not say that now? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> well, Bad you, taste. I'm just saying. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I meant if like a a natural disaster, like a I don't know, if Yellowstone erupted, it would take us decades to recover. And I think having that five year period obviously helps you insert yourself a bit easier into the narrative. But also for those returning players, it leaves it, it leaves them with that, oh, what else has changed? What else am I going to find? And it lets the, the narrative team come up with characters and, you know, spins on people that you might initially, you know, the old players will initially find familiar. But, oh, well, actually, they've changed a bit in the past five years. You know, they've grown up a little bit or so-and-so's, you know, suffered major losses and is now a bitter resentful man or anything like that you've got you've got so much opportunity to weave in 
the familiar and the new so seamlessly. It's something that an uh, an ongoing game like this can do, and they've done it ac- absolutely expertly, where you know a big event can happen in a game, and then in the next scene everything's fine. It's just, there's just that yeah. dissonance between what just happened. We thought this was the world ending event, like as much like Breath of the Wild. You can often forget about yeah. what's happening in the castle. It doesn't matter. I'm building my little town here. It's yeah, cool. <laughs> you can forget about that. But when Something of that scope happens, they basically, you know, remake the game on the fly, which is just an absolutely amazing feat. And then years down the track in the game, it's still, the ripples of that are still being felt. It yeah. really gives you a, a sense of scope of their calamity and sort of what the heroes and everything went through in that time and, and why they are still so legendary. Yeah. And still, still being spoken about. Yoshi P, the way he thought of it, he, he it, it's just a masterstroke. Honestly, yeah. To let that remake, like the rebirth, kind of create the next wave still of, of story and everything, everything like that. Incredible. Yeah. Now, apart from the amazing reimagining rebirth um, and, and gameplay and everything like that, one of the things <laughs> about this game that stands out to me is... Y'all are crazy about it. Oh, yeah. The fan base of this game is intense. <laughs> but, again, I'm not that far into it. But they seem intense in a really nice way. Yes. Because they kind of, they realize, like, look, things can go wrong with this game right now. There may be some things that don't work. But they will never be as bad as they once were. I mean. And they've shown that they can repair this. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely an aspect of that. But also, again, I think it's the story... Uh, in and of itself, because a lot of, you know, even even the minor villains in 14 get moments of redemption and get moments of mercy and get moments where they're allowed to grow and develop and, you know, redeem themselves. Even some of, like, the biggest villains have moments where, like, which really humanize them and really make you feel compassion for them. And it isn't many video games that do that. I mean, a lot of the time, oh, look, we're going to go kill Satan because Satan's evil. Ha <laughs> ha. Look, let's go beat him up again. <laughs> look, oh, look, now there's his older brother. Let's go beat him up too. Doesn't matter. Like, it, you, there's not, it's evil for evil's sake, especially in, like, a game like Skyrim, as an example. Evil just for evil's sake. Whereas 14 really humanizes a lot of the characters. And I think, as a result, the community just kind of tends to sort of inherit that. And so even when I first started playing, and again, this was my first MMO, and the class that I picked up was a gladiator, which was a, a, that's a tank. Like, that's a lot of responsibility for someone who's never played an MMO and had no idea what the fuck I was doing. And yet the people that I ran into were super nice and patient and happy to teach me. And it's that full, almost like a, a positive feedback loop where, you know, it's just... As a result, I had a really good time and a really good experience. So the next time I go into that dungeon and I see that someone else is struggling, I'm going to be like, hey, man, don't worry. Like, it's cool. We've got this. And I, it's something that a lot of people are learning now, especially people coming over from other games like WoW and Guild Wars 2 and stuff where a lot of the mindset tends to be a bit more hostile, where it's like, no, it's, if you mess up once, that's it. You're not good enough. Go away. Whereas this game lets you take your time. It lets you make mistakes. And if you make a mistake and everybody dies, that's fine. Just go again. It's cool. And 
everyone is super forgiving for that. And it just, again, it just, it just sort of permeates through everybody. Obviously, as with any online game, every once in a while, you're going to come across a couple of dickheads. But it is so few and far between. I think I can count on one hand the amount of people that I have come across that are complete wankers since I've been playing the game. Maybe that's connected to the actual depth of this game. And if you're going to put that much time into a character, and you have that much agency over that character. It's worth your while to be nice to people because it can help you along your way. You're not going to put 700 hours into a character, do so many goddamn missions and just be a dick. Because, I yeah. mean, look, some people do do that, but those people are idiots. Or dicks, like I just said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've played for, according to Steam, 5,053 hours of this game. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, what? Um, what? <laughs> Simon, stop! No, no, I won't. <laughs> I have any Play Endwalker. something else! Play it! <laughs> Play Untitled Goose Game or something! But you know what? I haven't even touched, like, some of the content. There's aspects of content I've just never done. I've never bothered with. And I that log on is... because I want to. Even if I even if I sit there and I go, eh, I don't really want to do much of anything, I can just sit there and enjoy myself. I can, you know, even if it's running old content or uh, just interacting with members of the community, it's so good for that. This is a very social MMO. It's incredible hearing that and still seeing how happy this game makes you. That's actually genuinely heartwarming because <laughs> a lot of people will put that much time into a, into a game and it just becomes mathematical to them. It's just yeah. numbers. It's just number crunching. Okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. It becomes a chore, but they're just stuck in that loop. You're still finding and discovering. And like you said, there's still aspects of the game you haven't experienced yet. Yeah. Because these absolutely. developers are insane oh in the God. best way. Now, I mean, you think about the development team very, very highly. What makes this team so special? I think it's a matter of the fact that they respect you as a player. And not in one of those ways where it's like, oh, no, the game respects your time. Because don't get me wrong, obviously, Final Fantasy XIV does. But the development team, like Yoshi P himself has come out and said, if you do not want to play this game or you, you know, there's not really much content that you want to do right now, that's fine. Unsub. Go play other games. The game will still... 14's still going to be here when you're ready to come back. Don't worry about it. And a lot of the mechanics in-game respect your time. I could not play for six months. Obviously, not right now with a, a expansion just a couple of days away. But, um, you know, in theory, I could have not played for about six months and still been pretty well off in terms of gear and equipment and things like that and not really have to struggle to catch up or anything like that. There's there's plenty of systems in the game that let you catch up if you need to or want to. And it's just good. Like, the the dev team respect your time, they respect you as a player, and they respect your opinions as well. In, I think, one of my favourite stories that have come from the dev team is recently in... Uh, Shadowbringers in in the most recent expansion during its two and a half year tenure um, there was a point in time where you couldn't fly in every area specifically the old areas a realm reborn 
specifically. Because the maps were not designed to be able to allow players to fly around. Because, you know, flying was introduced in Heavensward and every expansion since has obviously had flying taken into account when designing the maps. And a couple of the development team said, no, 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 we're not going to implement it. Sorry, guys, like we know it's something you want, but we don't have the time. We don't have the resources to get this sorted. Uh, it would, you know, it would take a lot of faffing about with like weird, clunky old bits of game code and stuff like that. A handful of other developers, however, went, that's cool. We're going to do it anyway. We're not even going to tell the rest of the development stuff. We're not even going to tell the development leads. We're not even going to tell the fucking lead sound designer that, hey, you might want to add in collision noises on this platform or you want to add in footsteps on that platform or anything like that. No, they just did it. In their own time, because they wanted to. That was it. They just went, you know what? I want to do it. And they did it for us. And again, we had been specifically told, as a community, we had been told, sorry guys, it's not going to happen. You know, sorry. And everyone was like, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. You know, get it. It's kind of clunky. It's a bit weird, a bit awkward. And then a handful of the team were like, nah, fuck it. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Watch us. And it's incredible like we we get that constant reassurance and like i guess appreciation from the dev team and it is so hard to overemphasize how much that oozes into the game i think another aspect of it comes down to the fact that i think it was something like 99% of the development team play the game in their own time they have their own subscriptions they pay their own subscription they don't get it for free they buy every expansion. They don't get it for free. They don't ask for it for free. Even the CEO of Square Enix has an active subscription that he pays for out of his own pocket. The CEO of Square Enix plays Final Fantasy XIV. Even I'd love the- to think that he's playing the free trial. Oh, yeah, probably. I'm not paying shit. <laughs> yeah, just, just for the fun of it. Um, but no, even, even Yoshi P, again, the, he is the head of the game. Pays his own subscription, pays money for each expansion, and plays the game in his spare time. And that's part of the reason why it shows so well and why the game feels as good as it does is because it's not just our time as a player that they're thinking about, it's their time as well. And there is that mutual interest into how to make the game better. And ah, it is so hard to overstate just how much this dev team care, but it... It's such a mutual respect because again, well, it's, a, it's a really healthy loop. It is the games and where where then the community respects the devs and the devs just keep giving it. It goes to show that unfortunately, a, a detrimental community, you know, a very angry, boastful community, can really, really harm a game's development because um, yeah. it, yeah. it affects the devs. Yeah, at, absolutely. At the end of the day, so look, be, be nice to your be nice to your local developer. Yeah. And again, I think it, uh, like a fair bit of it goes back to, you know, the 1.0 days, because they were given a second chance, unlike anything ever seen before in gaming. Like, if your MMORPG didn't do well, that's it, it was dead. And they got a second chance, and they nailed it. And I think, again, it's it's that sort of mutual appreciation where they've gone, oh, thank you guys so much for giving us a second chance. Like, we couldn't be doing this without all of your trust. 10 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are now. 
if it wasn't for those of you who stuck around 10 years ago. And the people who played 10 years ago have gone, yeah, but you've made this game into something incredible. So thank you for doing that for us. You didn't have to, you know, go completely insane and make this one of the best RPGs ever, but you did it anyway. And so it's, again, it's that sort of positive feedback loop. Just everyone's happy with everything that's going on, and it's just so nice. And when there are criticisms, and there are plenty of criticisms to be found with 14, you know, no game is perfect. People either go, okay, yeah, it's a limitation of the of the hardware, of the, you know, the engine that the game's running on, or what have you, or it's something that isn't reasonable to expect from the team. Again, part of the reason why we were okay with not having flying back in the Realm Reborn zones was because... Look, that's a bit, it's a bit much to ask. Like, if you guys don't, have, and again, this was when COVID was in full swing. You know, fair enough, we get it. Like, you guys are working from home, you're trying to take care of yourselves, you're trying to get everything back up to speed. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Look after yourselves. And some of them are like, eh, don't worry about it, bud. Here you go. Here's your shit. Ah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, like you said, this game came at what? 2012, 2011, around then. About 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it's not slowing down. So in three days, uh, you know, at the time of recording, we have the, the, next, the next chapter. Mm. What's it called and what is it? It is Endwalker. Now, this is those, going- For those listening, um, Simon's currently wearing an Endwalker t-shirt, like an absolute shill. And if you want to see that Endwalker yeah. t-shirt, you can check us out at twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. Uh, yes, I am absolutely a shill, but I did buy this off of Redbubble. <laughs> so money did go to an artist who just put to it To someone else. <laughs> yeah, it went to somebody else. It went to someone on Redbubble. So thanks person on Redbubble for putting it on a t-shirt for me. Um, anyway. Uh, so Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker is going to be the culmination of the story from back in 1.0. There are threads that have been left since then that we are finally picking up. There are story beats and people of interest and little clues and hints as to what this is all going to be about that have been happening every single expansion, every single patch since the very beginning. And it is it's going to be what's referred to as the end of the Zodiac, sorry, the Zodiac and Hydaelyn story arc. So, for a little bit of context, um, Hydaelyn is the name of the planet and also the name of this big, massive mother crystal, as it's referred to, who is basically a spirit that looks over the planet and makes sure that everything's okay. Zodiac is a big evil spirit, crystal spirit thing. He's evil. Or is he? Don't know. Oh. We're going to find out. And it is very exciting. It is so, so, so exciting. So I have said before, and I am genuinely willing to like state this on record, that this is arguably one of, if not the best, RPG story ever. So can we stop there, actually? Go so for it. One, one of my, my worries about MMO, that I, I can't really get into them, so you may to speak to me about this a bit better. Is it easy to miss these big story beats because you, you have so much agency over your character? Uh, if you're going no. around doing very minor missions, can you miss it out, miss out? Or are no. these story beats quite overarching? I imagine they would be. Like, 
we, we just spoke about it for a while, the whole the cataclysm still has effects now, so I imagine they're quite good at making sure major story beats affect several aspects of the game, so you, yes. you can't really ignore them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what, the quests that you'll be doing at the moment, Jesse, will be what I commonly refer to as MSQ, so the main scenario quests or main story quests. Those are, again, the main quest. That is the bulk of the game. That is the reason why you play it. Everything else, all of the raids and like dungeons and boss fights and stuff like that are all tied to the MSQ. You need to reach certain points in the story in order to unlock certain things. And sometimes that's just you need to reach a certain level. Sometimes it's you need to reach a certain level and complete a quest. Sometimes you need to have done... All these sorts of things. And the culmination of that is what keeps the game so story-focused. That's how they keep it being an RPG MMO, as opposed to an MMORPG, is everything's tied back to the main story. It's your primary way of getting your character up levels. It's your primary way of unlocking features. It's your primary way of discovering the world. And... You know, Eorzea is a world that is worth discovering as well. I want to point out, like, it's... It's gorgeous. It is. Like, for again, this is a game that came out on PS3. And there are definitely times when you sort of see it show its age a little bit. But the art style and the art direction as a whole make this game look incredible. And obviously as the PS... Makes my character look incredible. My yeah. character looks hot. It looks exaggerous. <laughs> Fantastic. From Hades. You've done an excellent job. So, yeah, it's by tying everything to the main story, it is impossible to do things without having done the story first. And again, you you sort of feel that, um, obviously, at the end of every expansion is when so much more stuff opens up. So when you get to the end of A Realm Reborn, you unlock your first set of raids, you unlock some hard, what are referred to as trials, uh, you unlock what are known as alliance raids, which are 24-man raids. Um, and then when you complete the next expansion, when you complete Heaven's Ward, you, when you reach level 60, again, you can you unlock all of this extra stuff. You unlock Heaven's Ward raids and Heaven's Ward um, alliances and things like that. So you've got all of these things to unlock at every major milestone at the end of every expansion. So... By doing it that way, by designing the game around that, you've they've done such a good job in making sure that the effect of the story is never lost. It's never possible to miss this. And also, it means that, you know, this extra side content can tie in to the main story. By having it all loop back into each other, it creates this really good... Again, like another another feedback loop, essentially, where it's like, cool, you've you've done this stuff. Whilst you're waiting for the next bit of story, go do some of the side content. And hey, because you have to be at maximum level to do the side content, we can refer to an event that happened in the story. And it makes it feel really good. Makes it just hold together so well. I really like it. Sounds like, and I, I mean, I don't know how the development team works here. It sounds like they're uh, a bunch of cowboys working in tandem very, very well, from what I understand. <laughs> Incredible. But it seems like nothing is siloed off. No. Sometimes games will, games will feel like a bunch of just parts put together, and that's when nothing, some things don't affect other things. But it seems like this, they, they have a game plan here. It's like, yeah, you can go do some weird stuff, 
Like you can go fly in places where there's no sound effects when you fly into a wall. But as a whole, we know how this will affect this. So you guys need to work in tandem. You guys need to communicate. Yeah. That is a that is a smooth running machine. Mm. They they have nailed it down to an art form. And I think as a lot of a lot of the credit goes to the people that are seen as being in charge of various aspects of the game. Um now the the main scenario writers so the so the, the people that have written the main the main quests have changed a number of times over the past couple of years. Um but currently the lead is a wonderful lady uh, called Ishikawa and she has created incredible stories during her tenure and she is going to be the main scenario writer for Endwalker and I am ready to have my heart ripped out of my chest <laughs> and my emotions destroyed by this and I am so keen for it as well. You've also got the uh, head of law and translation, a guy called Michael Christopher Koji Fox, often just referred to as Koji Fox. Um, American guy, incredibly funny, and he is responsible for about 90% of the puns and dumb jokes that you will see in the game. There have been some crackers already, exactly. and I didn't expect a lot of them. I this game's got a, little, got a lot more charm than I was expecting, because again... A lot of MMOs I, I've seen can feel a little bit sterile. Yeah. It's more about like, okay, this is more about stat building and, and all that type of shit. Boost and blah, blah, blah. This has character. These, you know, and the, the guy running the bar has some life to him. He feels real. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I like the barman. As you, as you progress in the story, um, you'll, you'll meet a team of people referred to as the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, and their aim is to make Eorzea great again, but not by being racist or ignorant, but actually <laughs> by... They're red hats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they're blue, actually. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they go around and basically help help people is, is the aim. That's what they want to do. They want to help people out as much as they possibly can, and the biggest threat to the world of Eorzea at the moment are these things called primals. Now, these tribes of more primitive um, creatures are often referred to as beastmen. Um, they summon what are referred to as primals. And those are, again, a lot of them are classic Final Fantasy bosses. You've got Ifrit, Titan, and Garuda, and you come across uh, quite a few more as the story goes on. And they are a massive threat because they suck the life out of everything in the surroundings, and can make people essentially, uh, they, they refer to it as tempering. Um, so this person becomes a full devoted person. You get brain control, like mind controlled to worshipping this god. And you can see how that could be a problem. Yeah. So they, initially they start off as this, this small team and you get invited to join them because you're pretty cool at what you do. So yeah, like, thanks man. You're, you're pretty good. Help us out a bit, if you don't mind, and you join them. And they go from being co-workers to becoming, you know, friends in uh, in Heaven's Ward. You become kind of friendly with quite a few of them, and that, that friendship grows and develops quite nicely into Stormblood. And then in Shadowbringers, they're not just your friends, but they are, like, your closest friends. And it's like the story mode group. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> but you have like banter with them. You have some really witty lines of dialogue that you get to choose. 
Um, and someone will make a snarky comment to another one in a voice cut, and there'll be a bit of back and forth between them. And it feels like a proper friendship group that's going out on adventures. And it feels fantastic. And you see moments where they interact, and there's, um, you know, there's siblings in there, and they have proper, like, sibling banter and, like, really cute, charming moments with each other as well in equal amount. And it's just, again, they they personify these characters so damn well. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention how much this is helped by the soundtrack. Yes. Because... I have to give a complete shout out to Masayoshi Soken, the lead composer and sound designer for Final Fantasy XIV. This man is a legend of unbelievable caliber. Now, everyone's familiar with Nobuo Uematsu, who obviously was the composer for, I think, was the first 10 Final Fantasy games and, you know, created legendary soundtracks in another, like, in their own right. Incredible. Absolutely fantastic, and his work cannot be understated for the impact it's had on gaming music as a whole. Soken has taken some of Uematsu's best work and put on his own unique spin and turned it into something even better. Brighter, bolder, um, sometimes a bit more rocky with like a bit of a hard edge to it, and just does some of this incredible stuff. And everything, every single intense or heartwarming moment is punctuated perfectly with this phenomenal soundtrack. And just every, every single part of this game oozes charm. Whether it is, you know, the world design, whether it is the characters, whether it is the music, every single part is just full of life and really makes the world feel like it's something that you you care about, like you want to give a shit about. You want to save, and you want to help, and it's just, yeah, it's just unbelievable. This game is just a, such a perfect storm of things. Oh yeah! But before we start to wrap up, if you want to see Siren play more Final Fantasy, he has a character he's running at the moment called Fist McDeadlift. Yes, great name. Um, <laughs> at Twitch.tv forward slash Story Mode Oz. However, I know that's not your main character. I know you no. have your own character. Tell me a little bit. Give me a quick rundown of who your character is. Uh, so my character is um, a race that is referred to as a Hrothgar, so kind of lion people, essentially. Um, and I have almost every class at max level. Um, just just got three left to go to max level. But obviously that's going to change in a couple of days because Endwalker. Um, so I play Paladin, mostly. I play with my good friends Ubami and Ray, who are often in our Twitch chat, twitch.tv forward slash story mode AUS. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, and we have this incredible guild, or they're referred to as free companies in game. Um, we have this incredible guild called the Frozen Wolves. Uh, every every single one. Good name. I know, right? Such a good name. Good name. Uh, every Every single person in that guild is so lovely and friendly. And... In and of itself, I think that's, pro again, part of the biggest pull for the game for me is that I go and play, I feel like I'm hanging out with my mates and going on adventures, and it's just fantastic. And yeah, um, so my character is Cy Freewater, and in case oh. you're wondering, I do have 
bottles of water that I do occasionally hand out to people for free. Well, uh, when you see um, uh, Leon Thundercock, um, <laughs> Thundercox, sorry, Thundercox, the character I made today, see me around, give me some of that water. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was play, like, don't, I come, play- don't come near me to change your name. I play I play on a different server. I actually play on an American server. Um which leads me to I guess what'll be sort of the closing notes for this. Um yeah, I currently play on the uh on an American server. I play on Baumung on the Crystal uh data center. We are soon, hopefully, going to be getting Oceania Oceania servers. We're gonna be getting Australian Yay. servers eventually. Just <laughs> I messaged. Um, I sorry. I put up on um, on social media when I started playing before. So as a new player, the first thing you see is you know you have to pick your data, your region, and your data center, and things like that. And all of these zones are named after different. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They they Final Fantasy creatures and summons, right? Um, a lot of them are. Yeah, yeah. But for somebody like me who has a very very surface level knowledge of it all, none of these words make any sense. Oh, look. These, these I know some of these words. But in this order, they are wrong. And <laughs> mad panic just came into my head. I had to Google things to find out which one I should pick and the ones I wanted to pick were full. However, look, when the Australian servers open up, I will create a new character and you can guide me through this game. And so that is that recorded is now. Yes, absolutely. And that is something I, I want to, I guess, sort of put out there is that I enjoy the, the people that I play with. I enjoy their company so much that even when Australian servers open, I am not moving my main character. I'm going to stay on American servers to continue to hang out and play with them. I oh. will create a character. I, I've got a couple of alt characters, um, which I will probably move over to Australian servers, including Fist McDeadlift. Uh, he'll make yeah. the he'll make the jump. Um, look, don't don't forget Fist McDeadlift in his banana suit. All right, he looks fantastic. You'll see his version of Ziz. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Yeah, we'll. I'll, I'll be moving a few characters over, and we'll pro- a couple of my friends and I will probably be making some extra characters on there as well for for shits and giggles, really. But yeah, Australian servers. I believe they said February um, this year, but I mean that depends on the state of the world. They <laughs> yikes. Yeah. What a note to end on. <laughs> Another yeah. cataclysm. However, if you are feeling overwhelmed at the state of the real world and don't know what oh, to oh, do with oh. yourself... Do it. Thank you. <laughs> Make sure Fuck you sake. check out the, the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy XIV, which has an expanded free enjoy. trial. And then you this can play through the entirety of A Realm Reborn and the award-winning Heaven's Ward expansion up to level 60 oh, with no restrictions on playtime. Keelan, when you edit this, please mute the fuck out of Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming eventually. <laughs> but before we actually do wrap up, three words, Simon Evans. Why do you love Final Fantasy XIV? Just three words. Fuck. Fuck um, one. <laughs> what else? Okay. Fuck, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Story, community, yep. soundtrack. Well done. Th- those are the three. And 
I, I want to just put out there that when I say how good the story is, I'm not over-exaggerating, I don't think, anyway. I have never really cried at video games before. In one patch in Final Fantasy fourteen, I cried twice. I was sobbing like a baby in the middle of a boss fight. Ubami and Ray can attest to that. They can confirm <laughs> that <laughs> that is what happened. Well, it, it, I I love that. It, it, I think it's a conversation for 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 story mode. We'll run run through one day. I love the games at the point where their stories can be that impactful. It, it re- yeah. they can really really get to you. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely I've definitely been there before. So I am incredibly excited for Endwalker. I hope to see as many of you as possible on the motherfucking moon. So Three days right till early go. access. Three fucking days to early access. Let's go. For those watching on Twitch, that isn't like his saturation and stuff's off. He's actually glowing right now. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> but that was Simon Evans' love letter to Final Fantasy fourteen. Now, if you want to hear more love letters, we've done episodes on Shadow of the Colossus, Animal Crossing, Firewatch, a bunch of other games. Um, and we'll have, be doing a bunch more in the future. You can go check out more episodes of Love Letters, Story Modes, Love Letters at Spotify and iTunes. Um, we can also check out Story Mode, a video game podcast, our weekly podcast that we uh, chuck up, as you would assume, every week being weekly. Good lead in there, Jesse. Yeah. So subscribe and leave us a review. While you're there, check out um, fan, all the other fan critical shows. They've got some fantastic shows, uh, reviewing movies, TV series, coming up with their own movie ideas, which I'm a really big fan of. So make sure you check out Fan Critical and give them a follow as well. If you want to keep up to date with all your gaming news, storymodegaming.com is the place to be. Of course, we're on social media, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AUS. Keep a sharp eye on those um, for the next few weeks. We're going to be releasing our nominations for our Story Mode Awards, we're going to have our Game of the Year, our Best Antagonist, Best Protagonist, Best Performance, blah, blah, blah. We have more categories in the Game Awards. Does that make us better? You tell me. I don't know. You tell me. I think it's hard to disagree with that. Look, we did it right. We have Hitman 3 nominated for Game of the Year, so we've done it right. Just saying. Um, Of course, we're on Twitch. We've dropped that 400 times, haven't we? Twitch.tv forward slash Story Mode AUS, where you can check us out recording these podcasts live, playing a lot of Halo multiplayer. You can also check out the exploits of One Fist Mick Deadlift. Um, Damn straight. Of course, in Final Fantasy fourteen, I, I imagine there'll be a few streams of that coming up in due course once you've let it soak in a little bit per, on a personal <laughs> level. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and of course, we're on Patreon as well. So if you want to search for uh, Fan Critical, give us some, some, some support. I can't even speak. Why would you give any money to us when the host can't even say words? But if you do want to do that, Chuck a couple of coins our way and you'll get access to a bunch of bonus content. And with that, Simon, I've genuinely been looking forward to this episode. That was, that was really, really good fun. Yeah, I'm so I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm still just beaming from the fact I managed to just... I got the opportunity to just gush about Final Fantasy because I could do it for another hour easily. And you know what? Now on the main show, you can shut the fuck up about it. Absolutely not, because no. Ed Walker comes out in three days and I am going to be a wreck. And I'm so oh, fucking excited. You just wait. You just wait until Control 2 gets announced or something <laughs> like that. Or Jack and Daxter 4. We'll be, doing, we'll be doing a whole month on them, okay? <laughs> but uh, for everyone in the chat, thanks for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed. For everyone listening, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed as well. Um, make sure you give us a follow and check us check out our other stuff. But be safe. 
play some games, play the games you love and tell people about the games you love. I think that's very, very important. Um, and with that, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.